Hello and welcome to the fourth instalment of the Visualize with Bavini podcast. I'm Bavini and today we're talking all about cooking whilst having a vision impairment. So, hi everyone. Um, thanks for coming along today for the cooking podcast to share how blind and partially sighted people um, can actually cook. And we're going to speak to three individuals who's going to share their own personal experiences about cooking, how they got started, what they enjoy and share tips and techniques perhaps and also different gadgets they may use in the kitchen. So, um, Urmila Ben, shall we start off with you? Would you like to introduce yourself? Um, yes, my name is Urmila Sharmavaland. I live in the Midlands. I am a Vista ambassador. I work for RNIB East Midlands as a community connector. And at least three times a week, I do Zoom tutoring. I love cooking. Brilliant. My eye condition. Um, I have been diagnosed with fever eye, which is a very, very rare eye condition. It's a genetic eye disease, and I am the carrier because nobody in my family has got that. But I also have several other eye conditions, like I've had detached retina. I suffer from chronic panuveitis, and going through the treatment. It's been a few years now um, I've been on the treatment. And um, I have lost complete vision in my left eye. My right eye has got a very close, blurred, one-third or even less vision left, um, which the consultant is trying to save that. And um, there are times when I find it very difficult. When it's too bright, I can't see anything. When it's too dark, I can't see anything. But if anybody's interested, you can read my blog on RNIB website. That's it for now. Yeah, thank you. That's interesting. I mean, um, I'd love to know. So did you develop one condition and the other conditions um, were as a contribution factor to that? Or are they just separate conditions that you've um, basically developed over the years? Are they all interlinked? Okay, what happened was I had a head injury mm-hmm. and that resulted in detached retina. I was short-sighted until then, mm-hmm. but that detached retina caused the chronic panuveitis, which usually is the result of detached retina. That's what I was told. Mm-hmm. But then um, they noticed something at the back of my eye and I was sent to the genetic consultant. And that's when they realized that I had dormant fever disease, which was not detected when it should have been detected. But that's the condition that a lot of um, people have um, some conditions stay dormant until found out. Mm-hmm. Well, the problem is there aren't many in this country. There are many cases in America and some in India. So the consultant had no idea what was going on. So me and my family, we checked on the internet and we found um, that it is quite common in America 
even new babies or little children have that condition. Mm. But mine appeared later on, or we found out later on. But I survived. Yeah. That's the big point. Yeah. And there was no pain, there's no pain, nothing. But it's a disease, it's a progressive disease. So one day I might go in complete darkness. But right now, um, I'm just happy with whatever's left. Mm. Um, the, that little blurry um, window that I can see the world. Um, although I use, I'll, I'll talk about this later on how I do my cooking. Yeah. But yes, the world is different for me. And it's quite painful. But I'm not going to give up, I am going to carry on. And because fever is one of the diseases that could be prevalent in the Asian community, but people don't want to talk about it. Mm. Um, and as I said um, before, there are more than 200 eye conditions and fever was not on the list, but I made sure that they have put this name on, on the list because it's very important. Yeah. Yeah. But I know you've got a really positive mindset and you know, uh, I look forward to speaking to you later on about different aspects of how you do things. And, you know, it's very interesting yes. that you're willing to share that with us. So thank you. Um, Kim, shall we come to you next? Yeah, hi. I'm Sangeeta Kim Jay, but everybody knows me as Kim Jay. I live in Bolton, Greater Manchester. Um, I'm a visually impaired chef. I'm a volunteer for RNIB and I teach uh, a lot of um, cooking using the senses. I've written two cookery books, uh, A Taste of Spice, which is Indian cuisine, and a more Western recipe book called A Sense of Cooking, both available on Amazon. I lost my sight when I was 30 and I can totally relate to Urmila mm -hmm. because it was mine was all of a sudden and i i have no vision in my left eye my right eye has i've no central vision but i've got peripheral um it was due to optic new optic neuritis which was caused they found out about five years later by a very rare eye condition in this country called ocular histoplasmosis syndrome luckily sort of they've managed to save some of my sight but since then i've developed glaucoma macular degeneration i have intermittent op uh, optic neuritis and i have charles bonnet syndrome mm. wow yeah no i'd love to find out more as well um with all those different you know it's um you know, many people have one kind of eye condition and it's quite common that different um, elements to that and develop um, other conditions with the main eye condition they have. And um, I'd love to know, like, how how it kind of develops and, 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 I, and I guess with um, deteriorating eye condition, it's always a challenge in terms of, like, you know, you're used to one way of doing things and then you know, a few months or maybe a few years down the line, you get hit with another condition or your vision deteriorates again. And it's just a, like, a journey in finding out 
the next best way to start um adapting and you you're constantly adapting um and uh, yeah and it's just interesting to know how people manage to do kind of things so you know I'm really pleased that um you've joined us here today and finally we have Raki with us Raki would you like to introduce yourself Hi my name is Raki I'm from Leicester um so I'm uh, currently working for Santander and I have an eye condition which is uveitis and then that's developed into detached retinas in both eyes. So when I first got the condition, uh, I was about six. Um, it all kind of originated from me going on vacation in India and then um, I had like a reaction to some medicine and we don't know the the right the cause of it all but um we think it's a reaction to medication uh from some rash that i had and then come back to in to england and that's when um my vision just deteriorated and i developed cataracts and that got removed and um and then a few years later when i was about 16 i developed detached retinas in both eyes but now my vision uh, over time has deteriorated so now i would say my vision i've lost um light perception and um that loss of color so i was able to see large print when i was a child um like with black felt tip pen i would be able to read uh, letters but now yeah no vision now um but yeah it's gradually deteriorated but however my confidence has improved a lot more as i've gotten older as i've adapted to adjusting way different ways of doing things um really yeah no that's fantastic and it is it's a learning experience and um i'm really pleased to hear that so i'm going to ask you what age were you introduced to cooking um you know how did you first start cooking and what what did you make on your own was it like just helping your mom around the kitchen or your dad or did you just say one day oh you know i fancy making this and you just went for it like how how were you introduced to cooking it's interesting you say that there was like a cookery program on bbc one it was like a children's tv program and my my mum used to get these little miniature um miniature dishes and things that were like made out of steel like from um india mm -hmm. and she used to give me like a plate and a and a like a, a rolling pin and um like a flat thing to pretend to and then give me a little bit of dough yeah so I can pretend to make like chapatis alongside her and I'll just play yeah so she introduced things to me just by like playing with dough and rolling it and making things with it mm -hmm. when I was a child and I was very keen on like trying to make stuff but pretend making I'd say she even got me like a pro an apron and all little little miniature <laughs> cups and plates so um yeah it de that curiosity developed and then when i was about 14 um i'd come back from school and obviously you you're hungry and you want to make something for yourself and your mom's still at work and you're just like oh what can i make for myself so 
the simple things is everything on toast yeah or like <laughs> frozen foods that you can just shove in the grill uh things like that she showed me how to switch the oven on and how to kind of time things and i would i would just know how long things take um and yeah i slowly got introduced to the hob mm. and just making simple things like eggs and um frying stuff up, frying stuff up on the hob that's how i started out really like making simple dishes yeah and um so in, how did you you mentioned like you know she taught you how to use the hob and grills and and, and time things mm -hmm. did you was it just like pure kind of like guess and just like you know timing in your mind or were there certain things that you'd use to help you manage that time so i'd use my talking devices so like my phone Mm -hmm. um or talking watch or whatever i had at the time I don't think i had a phone at that time so I'm trying to think what i use i think i must have used like a talking watch yeah something um audible to time myself and then with the gas um she would tell me how to know what's uh, a full flame and a half a flame to um if she kind of said six o'clock um, if you put the dial at six o'clock, that's quite a medium heat. And then um, anything like if you move it towards five o'clock, it's kind of a lower heat. And then if you move it the other way, it's higher. Yeah. So she said, you know, kind of gauge it in that way. Mm -hmm. And then I always put the handle at nine, um, nine o'clock so that um, when I approached the cooker, I didn't kind of move it by, sh you know, going into the, the handle. So that's out the way and I'm not gonna shift the pan by you know moving the handle yeah. just little things like that clearing the space and keeping work preparation you know clear so that i have space to do things that's interesting that's really good and when you made your first like you know after school meal or something were you quite nervous or anxious or did you feel quite you know a sense of proudness oh definitely when i made something for myself then yeah i feel proud that i've done something myself like just even cheese on toast, you know, like putting the grill on, um, putting the toast on, put some cheese on and putting it in, yeah. you know, it's like little things build up your confidence. Yeah. Um, and then you add to it. Like if mum's had some leftover chicken mince or something, I'd stick that on and, you know, heat it up and be experimentative with whatever, whatever's left over. Yeah. Really. No, fantastic. Thank, thank you. Um, Kim, um, so you're a chef. So when did you first start cooking? Like, what was your first experience of cooking and uh, what opportunities did you have? Well, I was sighted uh, until I was 30. Okay. And my mother tried teaching me to cook. And like most Asian mothers, she would start me off with peeling the onions mm -hmm. and chopping them up, at which point she took over and I had to do the washing up. So I never <laughs> learned how to cook. And then I went to India and I had an amazing uncle who loved cooking and he taught me and he had a massive passion for cooking. So when he cooked, he used to say, smell the sm spices, hear them pop. Now you put the tomatoes in because the onions feel like this and they look this golden color so when i when i did eventually lose my sight 
that what he taught me, all those sights and sounds and the way he described it, I took that and I started to put that into use in the kitchen. So the first thing I ever made was a sandwich for my children. And at the point where my daughter sort of said, Mum, should the bread be green? Mm. I realised that, you know, I've, I've got to sort of be able to do this and I've got to be able to do it on my own and to be independent. So I, I did what my uncle taught me. I started to learn the different textures of the ingredients, the smells. I started putting them in a specific order in the kitchen. And when I was cooking them, I would take sort of great note on sort of the way the texture of, for instance, the meat changes from like a piece of chicken from slimy on the outside and it sort of hardens up when you're halfway through and then it gets like a bit of a crackly crispy coating as it's coming up to temperature and I started to take note of this and I began to do it more and more with sort of literally everything and sort of when you suddenly lose your sight you there are all these things you can't do and I, and I sort of I worked in the media at the time and, and that to me had disappeared. So I thought, well, I can cook and I am teaching myself that. So I took some courses. Um, I did all the food and hygiene courses. And then together with my husband, I opened a restaurant uh, where I was a chef and we did fusion cuisine. So there was a mixture of all different cuisine from all over the world. Um, and I did that and then unfortunately got divorced and sold the restaurant and then sort of RNIB, I started volunteering for RNIB and they said, how would you like to teach others to do what you do? And that's pretty much how I started and where I'm up to now. Amazing. That's so fascinating. It really is. Um, no, I'm going to come back to you because there's so much I want to ask you. Um Urmila, then, um, from, so you, I know you're, you're so passionate about cooking as well, but uh, again, similarly, how were you kind of first introduced to cooking and, and how did it develop for you? I started cooking when I was eight years old. When my mom had to visit hospital in Tanzania, we were in Tanzania then, and she had to take my sister to, to nearby hospital. I was at home. My dad had gone to Dar es Salaam to the wholesalers. Um, but I mainly observed my mom, how she made things. Uh, I wasn't allowed to touch anything, but I could pass the stuff that she needed. I was never given a lesson. The first dish on that day when my mom had gone to hospital, um, the first dish I made was mung rice, potato shack, and that cooking on the primus stuff. I was told off for being such an adventurous person. <laughs> After this, I became even more passionate to make dishes because although I was told off, my mom liked what I had made. Phew, I said to myself. Then, um, after I started to make a few more dishes, one dish here and one dish there. And one day I tried to make dal dokri, the Gujarati dish, mm -hmm. when my mom was unwell. To get the color right, 
I kept on adding red chili powder. And oh my, we all had to drink plenty of water after each spoonful and tears running down the cheeks. My mom wasn't happy, but my dad complimented. He said, well done, you tried. Mm. I had forgotten the tomatoes. So we live and we learn, mm -hmm. I said to myself. I enjoy cooking vegan and vegetarian dishes because that's what we are. I make snacks like unfried kachori, bujia, or chutneys. I make dishes like dal, rice, biryani. Um, but after losing my sight, um, I had to change my tactics. I do not measure and weigh. I cook differently. Over the years, I have worked out my own strategies to deal with my passion. My hands and my nose are my natural tools that help me feel, measure, and smell ingredients, as well as the final stage of cooking. So I feel the potato, for example, and I know it's cooked. I taste the dal and I know that it needs adjusting. And the other type of measurement I use is, say, for example, one handful of raw mung beans is enough for one person. Or four whistles from the pressure cooker means the mung beans are cooked. Now, this would apply to any person working in the kitchen. It's not rocket science. I call it common sense. And it's not accessibility simply because I like to be inclusive. Mm. Cooking using pressure cooker is really good scent for me. It's it's just amazing. I make most of my things in my pressure cooker. Mm. I have also developed my own style and shortcuts. Should I carry on? Yeah, no, we'll um, move on to the next question. But yeah, definitely, I want to speak um, about your shortcuts because just listening to you about the pressure cooker, <laughs> I, I do the same because, uh, like, for example, today um, I made sack rotli. So, you know, I, I made spinach and paneer curry. Um, yeah. But I made gudi. So, I, again, like you, I don't have measurements that, you know, I weigh stuff or anything like um, no. I, I have the spoon in the yogurt pot and no, ex you know, spoonfuls that like how yeah. much would be enough. Um, and I made matawara bat, so that's pilau rice. But yeah. I make it yeah. in the pressure cooker, like I chopped, uh, you know, carrots, potatoes and peas like into small yeah. dices. And I put enough water into the level of the rice that I've put. So again, the measurement of the rice, I know two, three, maximum three handfuls of my hand size is enough for our family and probably a little bit left over for lunch tomorrow. But, you know, that's my measurement because I've worked that out for myself. And then just yeah. adding the right amount of water, just sort of dipping my finger in just so it's at the just underneath or slightly at the same level of what I've done the rice that's enough water and mm. one whistle is enough because I don't want it too mm. mushy uh, mm -hmm. and it's and you know I can totally relate to what you're sharing um mm -hmm. Raki I'm gonna come come to you next and just find out um if there was someone listening uh, who wanted to start cooking could you share any like tips or techniques or perhaps gadgets that you've 
personally use that you found very useful and you know it could be stuff that you might have bought from the rnib or online or any other um you know catalogs that are specifically tailored for visually impaired people or you might come across something that perhaps you know is mainstream but you found it to work for you in in helping you cook okay so I do have a talking scale in my kitchen that I keep on the worktop always um, because everything I do is kind of diet centric. So I do weigh out my food anyway. Mm -hmm. um, that's just because I'm watching like my macronutrients and things like that. But not everybody has to do that. But um, yeah, I do weigh everything anyway. And uh, the other things I would invest in is there's spoons that are like tablespoon and you get like bucket spoons so they're more deeper mm. so you can hold the liquid or the powder um and you can get like a set of six metal spoons and it will weigh out uh, a tablespoon half a tablespoon teaspoon half a teaspoon uh quarter and a, yeah so that's helped me a lot as well um, and then also you can get containers, uh, little pots that you can use, like that weigh out, measure out, um, say 100 grams of a measurement and just use the cup as a measurement because you know if you fill that cup, that will be 100 grams um, or whatever the measurement is that holds in that cup. But I do use tablespoons a lot. So um, when I do my Indian cooking, I use um tablespoons or heap tablespoons or flat mm. um teaspoons and my my mom has this little um little compartment dish thing where it's got like six little uh bowls and one in the center and then she has each spice in each in each compartment um and then i've just learned by texture by feel um what one what each spice is and the grain of the seed if it's a seed or the texture of the powder if it's a powder yeah and yeah so i've learned that way and i've i've learned you know what a cardamom feels like what a clove feels like and things like that so i just know by touch and smell yeah um like your masala dobra as it were like the spice thing people call yeah. it so uh, exactly so yeah um i I've, I've i've done the same thing so i know in the center i've got my salt in there um mm -hmm. and i can I, and also exactly like you i know what the um the mustard seeds and you know the different you know what we use to put in the darga uh the vagar that we do but then next to the rye I know that I've got my chili powder, then in the middle I've got my dhanajiru powder, and then I like you know you place things in a certain way that you can tell exactly what it is um so I can totally relate to that since obviously when you were a teenager and you um, you know started making things on toast and you know um using the gas, how has your cooking developed like what like what is your signature dish at the moment? So my cooking developed when I started to be away from home. So when I studied away from home at age 17, that's when I started cooking for myself um, in halls of residence. So my mum would give me pre-packed, um, you know, garlic, 
and green chili and ginger for the week. And then I could go to Sainsbury's and get, you know, um, tomato, passata or whatever, um, some boneless chicken if I was making chicken curry and rice and keep it um, at my halls of residence and then just cook up, um, you know, Indian food when I was away uh, and take all the spices from home and in little jars and just cook as I would do mm. away um, um, with all those things. And then I guess my confidence has just grew because I used to cook for my friends mm. and I would be the person who'd say, who'd, um, who would uh, cook the chicken curry and in exchange they would make like an English dish like um, shepherd's pie or something, my favourite dish. Yeah. Uh, English food is a shepherd's pie. So I made, I learned how to make shepherd's pie, um, but it with an Indian twist, so mm. a bit of spice in it. And I just developed it just by what I, what I enjoy eating. Um, and the next signature dish of mine is lasagna, which is also um, with some spice as well. And I just make the English dishes, um, but with a bit of more spice. And I started off cooking more English dishes first, yeah. like pastas, uh, shepherd's pie and um, bolognese and um, lasagna. And now I've now that I'm a bit more confident, I'm making the more complicated dishes with mum, like, you know, making bao bhaji or dals and, um, you know, I'll make gaddi and stuff like that at home regularly. And mm. um, yeah, I'll try making, um, you know, vegetable curries and things like that. But I think it's more on what I enjoy cooking. The more, the more I, um, like what I the taste of it the more I'm going to be making those dishes really <laughs> yeah no that makes sense and that's a good yeah. tip to actually try for anyone wishing to start cooking make something that you're actually going to enjoy eating yeah. <laughs> um then. so um it, it, you know apart from what Raki has already um shared is there any oh. other tips or techniques you would like to share that perhaps someone starting out cooking or maybe you know they're used to cooking but it might be interesting for them to learn perhaps, you know, different ways of um, finding your way around the kitchen or maybe how you set it up so you know where things are. Um, would you like to share some points? Um, yes, I would. Um, let me start with um, Vista Rehab Officer mm -hmm. um, who came to my house and he assisted me in adapting my kitchen. Okay. Like we put stickers on the knobs, we had bright lights, showed me how to um, chop vegetables and different techniques. If I turn right, what will I bump into? If I turn left, where will I go? Because my kitchen is sort of a squarish, rectangular shape. Mm -hmm. I had to do this because it was like learning from the beginning, uh, starting again or begin again. It was very painful, but this journey had to happen mm. i have white worktops white plates yeah. bowls and cups everything's white uh, my cooker has stickers as i said so that i know which stove i'm using um, i have masala daba arranged in such a way um, as you said um, 
that um, if I rotate, I would have chili powder next to chili powder. I, I would have turmeric powder and so on. Mm. Um, with the same spoon for quite a while now. So I know that this is the measurement I'm using. My pantry has got clear jars with big labels, uh, which my husband helped. Yeah. And even the fridge, I organize it myself. So I know what is where with the smell and the and the feel. Mm. Um, I know that this is tomatoes and this is lettuce or this is a jar. For extra storage, I have a um, garage where I have different containers which holds extra things. Um, also, for other people, um, I would say one doesn't have to be a VIP um, for this. We can learn or one can learn by observing, by planning ahead, by experimenting, and one has to be confident. Hmm. Must understand that what's going on inside our body is what we feed ourselves and healthy doesn't have to be expensive. So one has to plan ahead. Um, also, I don't use all the masalas in everything. Um, I use simplicity in my cooking, mm -hmm. although it has to be colorful, like we have to use different colored vegetables and different colored spices. Um, and at the end of whatever one has prepared, we have to be, we have to learn to taste and then adjust. Coming to the utensils, I use... Um, stainless steel utensils because they are bright mm -hmm. and at least I can feel um, with my hands and I'm not scared because it was a dark non-stick I wouldn't even know what's in it mm. the size do matter and as I said earlier the pressure cooker is my lifesaver I have a non-slip chopping tray which I use for cutting the vegetables as well as when I roll my chapatis. It serves two purposes: that my rolling board stays in the middle, the tray doesn't slip, and it doesn't create too much mess around on the on the counter. The gadgets that I use or I would recommend would be a grinder. Um, so when it comes to planning, I would have the. Um, chilies and the garlic and whatever spices I need, I just grind and save it. Mm. Or some I freeze. Um, of course, I do have a place for knives and spoons to be safe for me as well. Because I remember once I tried to pick the knife the wrong way around and I cut my fingers. Mm. Um, that was not a pleasant experience. Um, also, um, the oven the, for the right temperature, I use, I use, I ask my husband to check if it's the right temperature. So I do make cakes and I do make loads of other things in the oven, but I bake and um, I have my husband checking for me whether it's done, like, is it on the right shelf? Is it, is it cooked or not cooked or is it burned? We've had burned pizza lots of times. Um, personally, from my own experience, um, if one is a VIP, um, I prefer to cook during the daylight because I find it really hard in the night. For 
different reasons that I just feel disorientated in my own kitchen. Um, I've explained. Yeah. 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 No, I can totally relate to that. I mean, I've got um, a light on my extractor hood, but when it comes to evening and the blinds are shut, it you know I find that you know it it, it will help me during the day. Uh, when the light's yeah. out the window, but even this that yeah. same light on the extractor hood in the evening yeah. doesn't really mu- make much of a difference. Like my eyes have to work extra hard to adjust. Um, yeah. So I, yeah. I totally get that. Um, yeah. Could I add one more thing quickly? Of course. Um, is um like keeping keep rolling <laughs> the chapatis. When I roll chapatis, it doesn't matter what shape it is. Mm. I can feel with my with my hands. And my family, they don't mind whatever shape it is. But I count in my head that this is just right. Yeah. When I cook it, my, my skillet is quite large. Um, so I don't miss the aim. It always goes on the skillet. And I count in my head, one, two, three, four, five, turn. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, turn again. And I turn it only three times until it's done. So far, no one's complained and they've not eaten <laughs> uncooked chapati. So that's one of the um, tips I have learned yeah. to count in my head. Um, and it does help. Yeah. I mean, we're going to come back to... Um, we're going to co- come to chapati making skills and sharing tips because... Uh, this is how this podcast kind of originated from um yeah. but i just want yeah. like um raki from what you said actually there's little spoons like you know measure like half a teaspoon a quarter teaspoon um yeah. i only started using them actually in the last three years because you know but when you do indian cooking the first thing um you put in there is a little bit of oil um to start yeah. popping the different seeds and when i you know as my site started deteriorating i I was either, you know, sometimes I'd pour the oil bottle in there and, oh my God, so much would go in there. And then it's hard to like pour it back out into the bottle. Oh. And I was out making so mm. much like mess. And oh. and then I just thought, well, I, I got introduced to these spoons. So what I do now, like, you know, just a little, like I've got this little steel pot with a lid that has a gap for, um, so I, I, I put a spoon, one of the spoon sizes in there. And I use that to put the oil so I know exactly how much I'm putting into the saucepan. Um, and I find that really helps me because that, that was one of my biggest, um, like, you know, just starting off and already, like, you know, it's, it's become a disaster. So um, that, that's something I just wanted to share because that, you know, that's, that's been helping me. Um, Kim, yeah. have you got any, uh, I'm, I'm sure you have, uh, any tips or techniques you would like to share for someone um you know any gadgets or uh, any um i don't know any assistive um like google home or alexa or anything like that that you know any other um um adaptations that you may use that can support people with sight loss in the kitchen yes and i can probably help um you as well Mm -hmm. um sort of you're talking about lighting when it's in the evening you can actually get strip lights that you can put under the cupboard units Okay. And it's a bright white strip lights, so they give you that ad- added extra light, especially when you know you get towards winter and it gets dark. Mm. And those are absolutely brilliant. And you can get those from RNIB, from your uh, visually impaired officer, or even from B and Q. They're very easily available, and you just literally stick them on. Oh, okay. um, now, to do with the temperature on the oven and how to work out, you know, sort of what 
the different temperatures are on your oven, um, you get bumpons. Now, bumpons with heat fall off, but RNIB sell liquid bumpons. So it's it's like a liquid. So I've got it on 180 degrees, which is like average for baking a cake. I've got it on the on-off position, uh, the combination uh, oven position. So I know exactly how to match up the dials and it's dead on. Mm. And it stays on. I mean, it's been on my oven for over 15 years and they've not come off. Wow. <laughs> I also yeah. use... I also use the same liquid. I have stainless steel containers where all my spices are. Mm. And I've actually painted S for salt, C for chili, uh, mm. T for turmeric onto the steel things mm. so that you can actually feel it because it's quite raised. Okay. So that also helps with that. And my house is full of, as you can imagine, full of spices mm. and herbs. <laughs> And um, yeah, you, I've done the same with that. I put the, the marker on, but I've also got a pen reader, which you can get from RNIB and uh, Amazon as well. And what you do, it's like a little sticker that you stick on it. And you do need somebody that sort of is sighted to set it up. Once it's set up, it's brilliant. So mm. you, you put the sticker on, you record, say you put it on a container that's got turmeric. Mm. So you record turmeric, and then whenever you want to know what's in that uh, container, just wave the uh, pen reader across it and it'll say turmeric. Mm. So that's really good. But like I said, the unfortunate thing with that is you need somebody sighted to be able to do that, to set it up. Yeah. But once it's set up, it's brilliant. And one of, the, one of my newest um, technology items is a talking microwave. Mm. I love this talking microwave. It is slightly dearer than a normal microwave, but it's well worth it because all microwaves nowadays, like most equipment, are digital. Yeah. And that's no use. They don't do the dials anymore. Mm. And if they do, it's for, if we're on a microwave, it's for something like 200 watts, which is ridiculous. Yeah. But this microwave is a combination microwave. So not only can you sort of heat things up, but you can actually cook cakes in it, uh, roast in it, whatever you want to do. It's on your unit, so it's safer. So if you've got a sort of uh, an oven that's uh, on the sort of lower, you're not having to bend down and you're not having to pull things out. And that is brilliant. And sort of my biggest thing, and it is mainstream, is a food processor because mm. whenever you want to grate something or chop something you get to the end of say an onion or you get to the end of a carrot it's a bit risky yeah so having the food processor with all the attachments is brilliant because your hands are away from the blade and and you're perfectly safe and there is so much stuff that you can get now that is accessible that helps it is unbelievable and it's worth just shopping around you don't have to sort of go to RNIB. There are mm. other places and just shop around and just look. Yeah. And and you will find things that are really helpful and just make things so much easier. Yeah, no, I totally agree because um I've got a guide dog and I need to sort of measure his food and 
I recently bought a talking weighing scale um, just from Amazon and it was only 30 quid. Um, you know, it, it's really, it's really, really, um, you know, ensures that I don't need to rely on other people to measure his food out for me. Like, you know, because he, he started putting weight on. So I had to be really strict of the amount of food I was giving him. So I invested in that and that was just from Amazon. And um, what you said about the bump ons, um, you know, we recently moved home and we've done our kitchen up and you're so right about things being digital these days. And I, we managed to fit a microwave in that was sort of inbuilt with the oven and the dials are, are, are you know, you can each point you move it, it clicks. So, you know, I've got that bit of control, but the screen is um you you can't see the screen so it doesn't talk or anything like that so what i've done i've put um a bump on on the start button because that's a touch screen and i use i've got a google home in the kitchen so whenever i'm putting things in the oven or the microwave because i can't actually see the timer i set the um google home up as a timer so then when the alarm goes off i know that's how much um I, I want it in there for um so i might put the microwave on like you know for five minutes but i only really want it for one minute i'll set the timer on for one minute and then i'll just take it out of there um so that's the way i i uh, you know use my microwave and oven um but i remember when uh, master chef was coming on earlier this year and uh, I kind of promoted that on my social media and all of a sudden um, uh, I don't even know how it started and uh, me and Urmula Ben and another lady called Sam we just started talking about chapatis and we just started sharing our experiences about how we um, make the dough how we roll them out and how we cook them and you know many people um, you know we've had conversations about this and there are so many people that actually want to learn how to make a chapati because you know chapati making a pizza dough making naan bread there's there's so many skills in that so um just want to know like do, do you ladies have tips on uh, making um chapatis or how you roll them out i mean we heard suggestions like oh uh, you know they roll them out quite big and use a stainless steel lid as a cutter as it was so it's round and they'll, you know, use that as a shape to make round chapatis, which I thought was quite clever. Like, you know, I've, I've never even thought of that. Have you, um, you know, what are your experiences of making like dough and chapati and cooking them? Um, shall we start with you, Raki? Yeah, so um, when it comes to making chapati dough, because you're using hot water to bind the dough, um, what I do first is I do drizzle a bit, drizzle a bit of oil and I kind of got the gist of pouring the oil. I just kind of whiz it around and then pick it up and, and then mix that in. But you can use a ladle and, you know, use a, a ladle of oil. Or I do use, I don't use the spray oil in the dough, but I use it for cooking mm. um, more so. But when it comes to adding hot water and binding the dough, I do use a spoon. And then I will drizzle the hot water and then mix it in with the spoon. And then I'll check it with my hand um, to see if any lumps have formed. And what I'll do is put all the combined lumps to one side. And then with, with the loose flour, I'll add more water in that area and mix that in with the sort of spoon. So mm -hmm. then once I've got like clumps of dough, I mix and then I, I know it's 
good to go in terms of blending it all with my hand mm. and then right at the end once i've kneaded the dough a bit i'll drizzle a little bit of oil just to soften and make it a, li- a bit more easy to work with yeah um and then when it comes to rolling it out i'll make my little um dough balls and flatten them with my palm and then coat them with flour on both sides mm. and then the, the best way i've made chapatis is when i've um just rolled them up and down evenly um and just kind of make sure i've done the even pressure and then i'll just check it after i rolled it you do it quite fast and then my mum said it will it is spinning but obviously you can't you can't see, see it spinning it. but yeah it is doing it's doing yeah, it yeah. but it's just kind of checking it and, and then flipping it over and then keep on doing it until it gets to the size you want yeah and then you can always roll it out um where it's kind of a bit wonky you can even it out yeah no that, that's a, that's a great tip thanks um and do you cook do you put them onto the dava itself or do you get yeah. assistance with that um, no, I do that as well. So when I put the dava on, I make sure the handle is um, not at six o'clock, so not like facing my belly because I don't want to yeah. kind of knock it off. Mm. So I always keep the handle to the side, so I'm not going to, you know, flip that over or yeah. you know injure myself. And then I'll put that on a good heat. Um, normally put it at like seven o'clock in the dial, if you know, yeah. um, with the have the little marker on the dial so i'll put that about seven o'clock six o'clock seven o'clock ish mm. so it's on a good high heat yeah uh i'll put the chapati on the dava and i use like a tea towel uh or a spatula depending on what your preference is but i'll fold the tea towel into a square like a smaller mm. uh size and then um what i'll do is once um uh put the chapati on there i'll feel the top the surface with my fingers to see if there's little bumps coming up yeah. and then I'll flip it over. Mm. Um, I'll, what I'll do is kind of um, get the tea towel and get bring the chapati to the side yeah. um, and then flip it over. Okay. Sometimes I can just go with, you know, my fingers and just flip it. But that takes kind of time. Yeah. Um, just getting familiar with it. Mm. Um, and then I'll just dab it with the um with the tea towel around the edges and in the middle so that's when i know that it's it's getting the air and heat into it and it will start getting those brown spots and just flip it over and do the other side and then just put it on a on a saucer with a tissue on it and yeah that's it really butter butter it if you want it butter yeah no that's quite similar to the way i do it you know i mean sometimes i'll get lucky and i'll try and put the chapati on the dava and it'll be perfect like I have my daughter there because I'm trying to get her to learn yeah. how to make it as well and uh, she'll tell me um it's in the center or it's like a little bit hanging off the edge or something but what I, yeah. I I've started doing now is I've kind of um I use the gas cooker that's closest to the edge uh, so I've got a yes. five hob um so I, I use the one that's closest to the worktop and I'll line up my rolling pin against it so I can feel the edge of one side and I'll use that as a guidance so to, to let me know what the centre is. So far, touch wood. I don't want to get too... I don't want to jinx it, but it has been working so far. Um, but again, yeah, it comes... I think the more you do it, the more you get to practice in 
in sort of flipping them and I think um, and, and again sometimes you have good days and bad days like sometimes if I'm really tired and I've come back from work and I've got to, got to make them then they don't work out properly like you know but um, you know I think taking your time and really like you know getting used to and getting feel for it um, that really helps um, Kim do you make um, have you made chapatis or naans and have you got any tips to share I have um Raki talked about sort of using hot water. Yeah. Now, if you don't want to use hot water and sort of, you know, you are worried about if I put my hands in there, is it going to be too hot? Mm. My tip is to use warm water. And once the dough has come together, put it in the microwave for about 15, 20 seconds. Mm. Pull it out and then start kneading. And what you do is by doing that, you're actually activating the gluten. Oh. So it, it takes away the, 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 you know, you don't have to knead as much. You'll find as soon as you start, when you take it out of the microwave, it's warm and it kneads a lot easier and you can get more air into the actual door doing that. And again, sort of the tips that both of you have said I use, yeah. which is, you know, sort of I use the tea towel um, I know exactly where the thuva is, move the handle away from you. Yeah. And something called, if you, the more you do it, something called muscle memory kicks in. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to the point where you don't have to use a utensil to know where each end of the thuva is. Mm. You will automatically know because you, you'll know how far to sort of reach over to put the chapati on, on, onto the thuva. Yeah. And, and again, touch, you know, same as sort of Raki, you feel the top of it, you can feel sort of the, 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 the pastry starting to get hard and the little bumps appearing, so you turn it over, same thing again. Yeah, exactly how I would do it. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm guessing that's similar to you, Umula Ben, or do you have any, any different techniques to share? Yeah, um, my my tip in making chapati is I use the same bowl mm -hmm. and I use the same, I have a scoop in my um, atta tin. Yeah. I use the same scoop and I know two scoops would be enough for say two people and um, same amount of oil because I've got a little measure um, uh, what should I say, container in, in my oil yeah um jar so i use that and i know how much to put in because i do this i've been doing this for quite a while now uh, when it comes to water i do boil the kettle but then i top it up with some cold water and i mix uh, i put it in with with the flour but i use a fork first to mix it um, for me, if I want soft chapatis, I fold the dough. I do not knead. If I knead the dough, the chapati is most likely to come a little bit chewy. Okay. So I fold the dough. And at the final stage, I take some oil and just rub it over the, over the whole bowl of the dough. Okay, then I turn um, those, um, uh, turn that dough into small balls and roll it. But my rolling pin is inside a non-stick tray or non-slip tray. Um, as I said before, shape doesn't matter to us anymore. But I roll 
and the skillet that I use is larger than a normal tawa that we get from a shop. It's it's a cast iron one. And what I do is I put the tawa on the skillet on first while I make the dough. Mm-hmm. So once the dough is ready, um, I know um, the tawa would be hot enough and I roast, roll and then roast the chapati. But I do not use a towel because I'm a little scared. But I've got a special knob um, that you can get from a shop. It's a wooden one. Yeah. It's a chapati press, mm. um, which I got it from Milan's in, in Leicester. Yeah. That helps. Um, as I said before, I say I, I put the roti in the skillet. I count one, two, three, four, five, and then turn it over. Count 10 this time and turn it over again and count five. Um, press with that presser and the chapati is done. And that's how I make my chapati. Yeah, and I do recommend that wooden thing. I use that. Um, my mother-in-law actually gave me one because she had a spare one. Oh, but I'm sure yeah. you can get them from most Indian shops and maybe even like um, other shops as well. Um, it's just really useful yeah. to have. Um, and and I use that. I mean, I mean, I've, I I didn't get to ask you actually. What is your signature dish? Like, what is your like favorite dish that people always ask you to make? Like, what is your speciality? You asking me? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mine mainly is vegetarian. Um, you name it and I make it. Yeah. <laughs> I make bambaji, I make ondo, I make vegetable biryani, um, I make daivara. All sorts, yeah. yeah. But it's... the signature dish would be, of course, if you ask children, they would say shakrutli. Yeah. Ah. Uh, for snacks, I would make all, all that I said, but I. Um, if I am allowed to continue a little bit, yeah. I went to India in February, mm-hmm. and I brought this pan called paniram. Okay, it's it's a kind of um, um, a frying pan mm-hmm. with holes in it, or little dense, or little what shall I say, <laughs> little gaps. It's okay. got twelve little gaps in it. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I use that, it's come with a lid. Again, it's a cast iron one. Okay. So if I want to make bhajia, I don't fry. I mm. make the batter as normal, Yeah. but I coat the cavities of this frying pan with oil and I put the bhajias in it as normal. Okay. My husband's usually there uh, watching me, even when I make rotli, he's there. Yeah. So uh, he, does his, he, he does help a lot. Um, so what I am saying is uh, that cooking is fine, but we are going healthy. So instead of frying, we use this special paniaram um, okay. to make bhajias, to make cakes, to make scones, to make ondo. Um, you get little, really cute ondos in it. Um, and it's, it's just wonderful. And it's so safe because you don't have to stand over the pan of oil. Yeah, It just cooks halfway and then you just turn it with a fork or a whatever gadget you have a spoon for a little longer it's done and it doesn't taste any different from um, fried ones so do you put that on a gas cooker or is it electrical device no on the the gas gas cooker cooker. you can put it on electric or even um what is the other one on the gas cooker. lost it on the gas with electricity Yeah. yeah 
it's okay. it's a really good gadget. Yeah, and sounds interesting. Yeah, I can no. send you a picture on the group if anyone's interested. No, that sounds I'm interesting because I, I don't like frying anymore. Sometimes like when I've got frozen like samosas or anything that I need to yeah. grow, I just lightly coat them in oil and I put them yeah. in the oven now. I don't fry them yeah. Um, yeah. and they still turn out crispy. And I, and I actually discovered that by an accident, you know, about four or five years ago. I, um, yeah. I was meant to bake hash browns and in yeah. a rush, um, I think I made gachoris. And I put them mm. in the oven, like, you know, making hash browns mm. in the mm. oven. And when I took them out and I served mm. them, I took a bite. I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell? What are these, you know? And then I found out, yeah. actually, you know, they were crispy. Mm. They were fine. But, yeah, this gadget yeah. sounds interesting. Um, Kim, you were going yeah. to say something. Oh, um, um, so deep frying is always a huge problem for anyone that's visually impaired and very mm. dangerous. Yeah. And I, I mean, I deep fry all the time, but I'm sort of very experienced and confident. Yeah. And I've learnt um, sort of by touch when things are cooked. So this gadget that Ormila's talking about sounds brilliant. So yeah. I guess I'd like to know about that. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. I, I'll, I'll put a picture on, on the group. Um, and as I said, I do put kachori samosa spring rolls in the oven, but for you know pajia or something snacky i just put it in this yeah. and it's just a wonderful gadget oh fantastic this has been really good all the tips and um, knowledge that you guys have been sharing i mean we're just going to wrap up soon and just any final um tips or anything that you've just thought about that you'd like to share with anyone that perhaps you know is going to start you know introducing themselves in, in getting into the kitchen or perhaps they have started making things like sandwiches or you know a sandwich toaster or a toasted sandwiches sorry um and wants to sort of develop um into experimenting with you know the next step i mean what what would you advise um kim shall i come to you first being the chef <laughs> the biggest thing is that cooking it just isn't a chore it is therapeutic it's it can develop into a passion and mm -hmm. I think being visually impaired with cook with when you're cooking is is a benefit because when you're sighted people only cook with their eyes but when mm. you're visually impaired you use all your other senses mm. so my food may not at times look good but it tastes perfect because i know exactly by the smell and i know exactly by the sound of things, whether it's cooked or not. So the chances are, I mean, I could be at the other end of the kitchen and I can just tell by the smell that this item's burning, get to the hob and I save it. And it's not to give up. That is the biggest thing, not to give up. And when you do it, the amount of not just pleasure, but the satisfaction you get of being independent is it's worth it is worth just doing it amazing fantastic thank you kim um raki any any final thoughts from you any final, final words yeah so just to touch upon the frying i used i've just purchased um well i've had it for a while now uh, an air fryer mm -hmm. and i fry everything in there and that's including samosas and spring rolls or any sort of um chips or whatever and i find it's just easy i can just put it in there switch it on and you can put the max temperature at 200 uh, which is same as the gas 
um, oven, which is um, 200 gas mark six as well. You just It's the same like putting it in there, but you can just walk away and you, you know that it's going to be cooked evenly. Yeah. Um, so that was just another um, gadget that I, which is mainstream and I'd recommend. Um, and another thing is um, preparation. So because we have all these spices that we use in Indian cooking, I've now pre- prepared everything. So I get a little plate and put all my spices first in there. Mm-hmm. You know, my green chili, my garlic, um, ginger, all pre... Oh, I actually do that. I prepare my green chili, garlic and ginger. What my mum does is freezes them in cubes. Yeah. And then we oh, take nice. them out once a week. Um, we'll just take a pack, a bo- a tub out of um, garlic and ginger and green chili and put it in the fridge and use that for the week so Mm. that saves time you know grating and preparing that for each meal Mm. because we use it heavily yeah and also just chopping the onions and getting the tomato pureed ready so when it comes to cooking you've got everything to hand and you're not stressed out trying to do things on the go um, that's my best advice to give to everyone just to prep, um, prep everything. That's really good tip. That definitely is. And um, for those that might be listening that, that are not familiar with an air fryer, so can I just ask a question? So is it like you set it up and you can walk away? You don't need to turn whatever's in the air fryer or anything like that? And does it have a timer? Yes, it does have a timer. Um, so I've now judged my timer. So... When I turn the dial to just past three o'clock, that's about 12 minutes. Okay. Three o'clock's about 10 minutes. But um, the, the air fryer I've got, it, it goes in different sizes on how much how much you can put in. So mine's the smallest one. Uh, I'm trying to remember the brand. Um, I think it's Tower brand. But it, was, it was only about 40 pounds. Okay. And you just plug it in. I put it at max temperature, so I don't have to touch the temperature gauge at all. Just leave it on that max temperature, mm-hmm. which is 200. And then all of, it's just like a bucket. You just put it in there and close it. And it just starts, it just starts um, spinning in there. So okay. you don't need to press anything. You just close it, make sure it's all switched on. And you don't have to turn it. It's all, you know, it all gets cooked. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. And finally, um, any final tips and techniques that, um, that can help someone else um, in the kitchen? Yeah, okay. Um, for me, I want to leave a legacy for my family, mm-hmm. whether one is sighted or not sighted. Food is so important for all of us. So I write my own recipes in notes on my iPad and I circulate it within my family group. Um, coming to a personal note, I could say cooking is not a chore, but it's my own lab where I conduct lots of experiments. Mm -hmm. It's a place where I feel proud to be able to invent dishes to nurture my body, soul and mind and that of my family. It's a room where we meet, create, eat and enjoy as a family. It's a point where I continue the human evolution of food since time immemorial. For me personally, it's a spiritual corner in my home where I converse with food and in return, 
receive joy and pleasure, love and honour. You know what, that's so beautiful to finish up on. I really love that. That is so beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Thank you. Kim, I just want to finish off with you. Um, promise the final final point. Um, you you know, you, you mentioned you're a chef and you've got some books. Could you just sort of share the details of those books again or if people want to follow you and check out your videos, where can they find you? And before you share that with us, um, you know, if you can share any tips, I speak to uh, quite a number of people over the years that really, really want to try and, you know, make something, you know, a simple dish yeah. or, you know, just get going to the kitchen. But because yeah. of family and the perception about, you know, being hazardous in the kitchen without any sight or um, making any messes and spilling things like, you know, they're just not allowed to even um, go in the kitchen and, and, and try making something for themselves. Um, and in mm. some cases like you know, even if they wanted to, they, they're not sure how they would get started because they don't even know where things are in their own kitchen. Um, mm. Can you, is there anything you can suggest, you know, for someone like that, what they could do? It's small steps. What you've got to understand is your family and your friends do love you, but their perception is that you're going to get hurt. So you have to prove to them that you want dark small. Start with making a sandwich. Start with sort of making beans on toast, cheese on toast, and then slowly work up. And little by little, they'll begin to see that you can do it and you can be independent. And then you start taking control of the kitchen around you, explaining that you need the salt in this position because that's, you know where it is and you have easy access to it. And it's just, like I said, it is very small steps, but don't give up because there will, there may come a point where everyone moves away and you're left on your own and you need these key, key skill sets to be able to sort of be more independent and don't give up on it. That's the biggest thing. Now, I brought two cookery books, uh, A Taste of Spice, which is Indian cuisine, and A Sense of Cooking, which is more Western cuisine. Now, both are in large print, and they have hints and tips for the visually impaired. Mm -hmm. they're, they're available on Amazon, um, and all profits go to RNIB to help facilitate more cooking lessons for the visually impaired, more activities. Um, and I've also got a website called Kim J Cooks. Now you can go on that and there's a whole lot of vi uh, videos that I've recorded on different dishes that you can follow. And I am always here. So if you have, a, you want a recipe, if you want some techniques, if you want some hits, ju just message me. And if I can, I will always help because I think it's only when we share each other's experiences that we learn to be better together. Definitely. And that's a wonderful note to end on. Um, can I just clarify, Kim J, is that K-I-M and then J-A-Y? It's J-A-Y-E. J-A-Y-E. So Kim J. Cox. Brilliant. Thank you um, to each of you for coming today to share your 
um, passion for cooking, the way you started, you know, sharing your tips and techniques, and hopefully it will inspire others to believe in themselves that actually, you know, taking baby steps and making something, um, something simple to begin with can actually contribute in 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 them getting a little bit more confident, um, working their way around a kitchen, and making a full meal. Um, so. Thank you, Raki. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, Urmila, Ben, for sharing and coming on here and being part of this podcast, which will be um, you know, part of Blindness Awareness Month. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm sure you can sense the passion that these ladies have for cooking, and I hope you found their tips and techniques useful. Perhaps in either getting you started in the kitchen or developing your cooking skills. If you do decide to make chapatis or naan bread, I would recommend using the wooden presser or a spatula to begin with. If you do have any further questions or would like to share tips of your own, then please do get in touch with me by emailing bavini at visualisewithbavini.com and remember visualise is with E-Y-E-S at the end. Bye for now.